Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. Hey, everyone. This is Eric Miller. So glad to be with you again today. Thank you for joining us on Revival Cry. If you're listening to us here in the Philippines on Mango Radio, make sure you give us a shout out. Send us an email, info at revivalcry.org. We would love to hear from you and how this program blesses you. If you're listening through podcasts, maybe on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or Amazon Audible, we're so thankful that you're downloading this. And then, of course, on our YouTube channel, look up Revival Cry. Make sure you subscribe and let people know about the channel. We want to get these messages out, these interviews. We believe it's going to be a blessing to many of you. I want to remind you that this May 20 in General Santos City, we are having our Doorkeepers of Revival conference. It'll be myself, uh, Missionary Mike Bailey, Pastor Richard Lanzanas, and Pastor Armin Valdez. We're going to be talking about revival in the heart, uh, revival in the home, revival in you know, the region and internationally, we believe God's going to touch many people. We did this gathering in 2020, February of 2020 in Jensen. We had about a thousand people show up and I believe there were something like 500 pastors and leaders who showed up and it was just a spectacular time. I heard so many testimonies after and of course COVID hit and we weren't able to do any more but now we're coming back again and we want you to join us so make sure you're there. The gathering is free. It's going to be 9 a.m. May 20th to about 5, 6 p.m. in the evening. And it's free, and and the first 500 people, there's going to be a free meal. So please come. Make plans to come. It's for everybody, not just for pastors and leaders, but everybody. And I know it's going to be a blessing to you. And one last thing. Remember, Fire School of Ministry Philippines is starting this August 2023. And Keith Collins, again, is here with me. Keith is one of the former directors of Brownsville School Ministry that turned into Fire School Ministry. Why should somebody come to Fire School Ministry Philippines, Keith? Well, first of all, if you want to go deeper in the Lord, then this is really the place to go. And, you know, they've already had multiple graduates that have went out from the school, and they're doing the works of Jesus. I mean, Mm. they're pastoring, they're doing evangelism, they're working with young people, they're working with orphans. I mean, their, their lives were really transformed. So if you want to go deeper in the Lord, if you want to get grounded in the Word of God and doctrine, if you want to go deeper in prayer, if you want to meet a family of believers that have like passion and like heart, then really fire school is is the place for you to be. It's an amazing experience and opportunity. Is it worth the investment? 
it's way, way worth the investment. <laughs> you know, you and I both, Eric, we know people that went through fire school in America, fire school here, um, and their lives were so transformed. Yeah. And with what they're doing now, those two, two and a half years were so worth it. Yeah. And it really helped to catapult or launch them into the destiny that God had yeah. for their lives. So seriously pray about it, think about it, have faith if you can't afford to come. I couldn't afford to go either. I had three kids and a wife when I went to school. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I stepped that in faith, and God supernaturally provided. So, if you're supposed to be here, God will make a way. So, Amen. Pray about coming. Yeah. Please do. And Keith and our good friend Ken Pounders will probably be back this September, yes. October time. We're trying to figure that in, but these guys have come every year up until COVID. Uh, hit, but now they're going to be coming again. Amen. And we have some amazing men and women who serve, who teach, who lead, and we want to help make disciples who make disciples. Yes. And so make sure you come. We look forward to seeing you there. Well, praise the Lord. We're back for my second part with Keith Collins today. We were talking about prayer and intercession and the first uh uh, the previous podcast program and Keith you had an experience and it was in the Hebride Islands yes and there was a revival that took place I believe it was in the 1950s it was actually um, the one you're referring to was in um, 1949 49 mm. yes yeah and I was actually on the mainland of Scotland for several days and I knew that um, the Hebrides Islands were off the mainland of Scotland. So as a result, I caught a ferry from the mainland and went into the inner Hebrides, which wow. is the inner islands, and landed on an island by the name of Skye, mm. which actually had a revival at one time as well. Wow. Then caught another ferry and went from Skye to the island of Lewis, which is where the, the Hebrides revival took place in 1949. Now, wow. you know, this was a, a very supernatural outpouring. If you've never heard about it, let me encourage you to, to Google it, the Hebrides revival, and you'll find amazing history um, just from researching. But this is where God moved so powerfully on this island. And there's one little village by the name of Barvis, mm. which is where the church was that this revival broke out from. Wow. And what happened, Eric, and this kind of connects us to prayer because we've been talking about prayer and intercession. There were two elderly ladies way up in their 80s, I think 88 and 87, something like right. that. They were sisters with the last name, last name Smith. Smith, yeah. And these two ladies were having challenges getting out of their home because of their physical conditions, but they were hungry for revival. They began to intercede. They began to weep and cry out to God. They, they were blind. One was blind. One was blind. Legally blind. One was bent over with arthritis wow. in her back. But they loved the Lord. They were hungry for God. And here's another thing that a lot of people don't know. Revival um, had been in the Hebrid, on that island more than once. Wow. If you study the 1800s, there were times when the glory of God blanketed that little island. Amazing. And, you know, tens of thousands of people w were radically touched. So these ladies knew this. This was in their family heritage. So they were hungry to see God glorified again. Mm. They began to cry out to God. At the same time, unbeknownst to them, on the other side of the island, there's a group of I think they said seven young men that were meeting together in a barn like once or twice a week. Right. And they were crying out to God for the same thing, God's sin revival. Wow. Well, one of the ladies, the Smith ladies, got a word from God for the pastor of the church in Barbas and called the pastor to their house. 
and they said that the Lord had given them the verse in, in Isaiah where it said he would pour out rain upon yeah. the dry ground and that revival was coming. And so as a result, the pastor believed them and he contacted a ministry school, I believe it it was in Glasgow, which is a school where Duncan Campbell had been trained. There were many people that went out from that school. And um, it, there's actually a, a book by the name of Her The Heritage of Revival. And the author is Colum Peckham, who wrote this book. And it's about that school and how they sent out these radical missionary evangelists wow. all throughout Scotland. They went into England. They went into Ireland. Um, they went to the Hebrides. And one of these men was Duncan Campbell. Wow. And so anyhow, Duncan Campbell showed up, and I think it was maybe the third night or so, where when he was preaching, the glory of God just moved into the place. Wow. Um, if you, You've heard him, and suddenly, yeah. know, God stepped down. God stepped, stepped down. down. Well, that's yeah. when it happened. Wow. And the people were gripped. I mean, they knew that God had, had moved powerfully. So I knew this history, but I wanted to be there, not because I felt like I had to go to get revived in my heart, but I felt like it was such a sovereign thing that God did that I just needed to go there or wanted to go there because it was so close to where it was. Right. I got there. I didn't realize this, but the gentleman that was kind of showing showing me around, showing us around, there's a few people with me, he said, there's actually a couple that lives behind and literally on the same property of the church, a little parsonage, that this gentleman used to be the pastor and he and his wife were actually in the revival in 1949. Wow. Now he, if I remember right, and I've got videos of them, I recorded them for like three hours or over that. He was 97, I think she was 95, and their wow. minds were still very clear and sharp. They were elderly, but definitely aware. And brother, they began to tell me the stories of the revival, just how that the Lord would just grip the people and many times they said that the services would last to 2 and 3 a.m. Wow. and he said and the young people did not want to leave they told me um, and I know they wouldn't lie <laughs> they told me there were nights that the young people would go behind the church after the meeting was over and they would walk in what they called the peat fields worshiping the Lord and crying out to God and nights there were nights when these giant men would appear wow these angelic beings would appear and walk with them Amazing. worshiping Jesus in the field they they talked about a time where there was a dance like a mile or so down the road from right. the church and a group of a hundred plus young people were in the dance and no preacher was there secular music just a secular dance hall wow. and the Spirit of God broke into the dance floor and the young people were gripped. I mean, they were like sovereignly gripped by God. They didn't know what to do, so many of them ran to the church. And that night, many of them were gloriously and radically saved. And wow. they, they talked about how that men would be working in the fields or working. Um, that's where they make the famous Harris tweed, which is a material that's used for coats and things okay. like this. So it's a famous um, material called Harris tweed. And the men would be at the looming wheels and could not even work because the conviction of God would come wow. upon them. And so such a sovereign move of God, however, connected to deep intercessory prayer. Wow. And um, so, you know, again, I encourage people to look up the Hebrides sure. revival because it, it was a very powerful outpouring. How would you define what is revival in your own words and experience? Yeah. You know, I, I think the question has a two-pronged answer. Number one, I think we can live in personal revival. Right. In other words, we don't have to wait for the rest of the church to be awake for us to be awake. 
we don't have to wait for everybody else to pray for us to pray. So I do believe that you, I mean, I know your life. I've known you for many years. I believe you carry a revival spirit. Mm. You carry a passion. I mean, I've never really seen you not like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, In other words, sure. when I hear you preach, when I hear you pray, when I hear your podcast, I mean, it's not like there's any anything there that um, that would make me to to believe or lead me to believe that you're not revived. That's a glorious thing. We can sure. live in that personal state of revival. Yes. But when we're talking about revival that comes and transforms a church, a community, mm. a nation, yes. um, a region of the world, um, it's literally like, I mean, Isaiah cried, God rend the heavens and come down. Yes. You know, as when fire causes water to boil and, mm. and, and, and fire comes down and the violence of it. I, mm. I think it's the, it's the express um, um, purposes of God being revealed in a supernatural way beyond the ability of a preacher, a church, um, talent, gifting. Mm. You, know, you and I know what, know what it means to be in a good service. Sure. But what we saw at Brownsville was not no. a good service. Yeah, it was more than that. The glory of God, the, the weight of His presence, He just like invades a region or yeah. an area. And He's done it throughout history. He did it in the Hebrides revival. He did it in 1904 in, in Lockhart Wells with Evan Roberts, the revivalist there, that had, at the age of 12 years old, this young boy comes under the burden of God for his nation. Again, he knew about the history of revival mm. in the 1800s in Wales. And he begins to cry out again, God sent a revival to Wales. I mean, he would right. weep. Um, he was so gripped with the burden of God's mm -hmm. heart at the age of 26 after 14 years of investing in prayer and earnest prayer. I mean, he was praying one night with a group of young people in Mariah Chapel in Lockhart Wells in the Swansea Valley area of Wells. And the Lord broke into that room and they yeah. knew there was something super, supernatural within a matter of a few days. The churches all throughout the regions were packed. Wow. Over 100,000 people were gloriously ushered into the kingdom of God within a matter of, of a few months in it's a amazing. very small nation. And there was, and again, if you read the history, people would tell you that men would be walking down the streets and literally would go to their knees. Yeah. The convict. So revival in this way, Eric, I think is so beyond the ability of humanity. It's good. So beyond the ability of a preacher or a denomination right. or a church or a ministry school or anything else. It's indescribable. However, I know that I know that I know that it happens when God's people get desperate and God responds to that desperation. You know, I'm so glad you said what you just said because we were talking the other day <clears throat> about the difference between the anointing and the glory. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And the anointing is something that God puts on every believer. Yeah. Every believer has an anointing. That's what I believe First John tells us. You have been anointing from the Lord. And it's this power that all of us carry when we're saved. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Amen. We carry this grace, this anointing, this this power to see breakthroughs to Amen. see change take place but i believe the difference between the anointing and the glory of god is the unity of the spirit and the people of god coming together in prayer mm. to where it's not just about the anointing on someone's right, life right. but it's about god manifesting his glory because people humbly see their need for him 
and they value one another above themselves. Yeah. And it's like God prepares the way. I, I believe the purpose of the anointing is to prepare the way for the glory to come, That's good. to teach the people how to pray. And I, I, I think I told you I had this picture one time of a, of a small rowboat and it had one of those little trolling boat right. motors. And that was like a uh, the anointing on a leader's life, a pastor. Right. And he's trying to guide the church. But the church is like a ship. And if you have this big cruise ship with a little trolling motor, you're not really going to move. It, it might be on, right. but it's not going to move that whole ship. Except if you had a, a, a motor inside yeah. that a ship and it's being fed the coal it's being fed you know the 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 prayers of the saints Amen. and 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 it responds in this combustion to move this massive machine forward in the water and and I just believe that you know we put so much focus yeah. on individuals but the purpose is to get out of the way and say no 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 look to Jesus Amen. let's look to him God has an anointing for all of us but the point is let's pray let's join together let's make it about him let's keep jesus as the head Amen. of the church and then he moves in power yeah. wow so good god help us you know what just hearing what you're saying i think a good way to say this is that there is no glory without a real sacrifice yes and what i mean by that is paul said that we are to become a living sacrifice right the anointing can actually make you famous and popular. Mm, yeah. Giftings can. Yeah. And, you know, you and I both know what it means to hear an anointed preacher. Yes. You realize Evan Roberts, who was the revivalist in the Welsh Revival, was not known as an orator at all. Wow. They said sometimes he would just stand at the podium and just begin to weep, and the glory of God Amazing. would hit the people so much that grown men would be thrown onto the floor in conviction wow. and repentance. Some of the greatest settings I've ever been in had nothing to do with the ability of the speaker. Yeah. But it had good. everything to do with the depth of their sacrifice in their life. Mm. Salvation is a gift. I don't like saying it's free. Some people salvation's free. It's not free. It costs Jesus' his life. Right. But it is a free gift. You sure. can't earn it. But the glory of God will cost you you. Yeah. God God won't share his glory with anybody. Therefore, right. Therefore, if a man or a woman is anointed and gifted, but they're not broken and they're not living right. a sacrificial life, then um, they might have success in the natural realm or what appears to be success. But like you said, the realm of glory that comes through a healthy fear of God, yeah. a brokenness, a humility, yes. um, a sacrificial life. Right. The glory will not be seen, and, and the results of the glory are what happens in revival. And, and we saw that in Pensacola. Uh, over and over and over again. You know, we, we both have been in great big meetings and powerful speakers <laughs> and choirs and yeah. excitement and zeal and powerful anointing. But I remember walking into Brownsville the first time. And I don't know if any of our listeners have ever seen uh, Niagara Falls mm -hmm. in person, but it's this massive waterfall and it's almost like a circular shape but there's a point where you can go behind the falls on the bottom mm -hmm. and it's it's huge it's really uh, a huge drop and the water's just coming and crashing 
and there's this little cave you can go behind and you can feel the power mm -hmm. and like you're you're probably a hundred feet away wow. from that water and you're feeling the splashes you're feeling the roar wow. and the intensity and I try to tell people the first time I went to Brownsville and I walked over the threshold of the door I felt like I was walking Wow. Wow. Like I was walking under a waterfall that was so powerful and intense. I immediately began to weep. Yeah. And then when they began Similar. to worship, I just felt like I told my wife and sanctuary would seat about 2,500 yeah. people, I think. Yeah. And it would be packed every night for five years. Yeah. I told her the first time we were in there and Lendl Cooley is worshiping a hundred people in the choir. What a, a <laughs> spectacular sight, but that wasn't what it was about. No. When he began to hit the keys on the keyboard, it felt like I turned to Casey and I said, did you feel that? It felt like God took the roof off the church, yeah. stepped inside and like just put both of his feet there and like you were aware there was this giant yeah. that was in the room like yeah. and and, and it, uh, uh, you know maybe this imagery isn't the best but the point is is that god's power yeah. and and authority was so relevant and yeah. real you could not ignore it That's right it was like you could smell, you could feel, you yeah. could taste. All of your natural senses were consumed yes. by something so much bigger. Mm -hmm. And it was like your spirit had to stand up and pay attention because somebody <laughs> was so much bigger than a preacher. I wasn't even looking at the platform oh anymore. Gosh. I was on my face because it was the only natural response Amen. that I could come up with, with something that was so much bigger than I realized. Yes. And I, I mean, the glory of the Lord. Folks, if we want that presence, mm -hmm. what we're saying is we have got to be a people of prayer. Yes. We've got to fast. Amen. We've got to come into agreement. We may not be in the same room all the time together, but whoever you run with, whatever your church family is, I would encourage you to do whatever you can. Yes. Pastor, to lead your people to hear the voice of God, Amen. to know his presence, to not allow your church to just be busy doing stuff. Our number one ministry should be to the Lord. Come on should be to honoring who he is in our midst and never allowing anything or anybody else Amen. to take our focus off of him. So good, man. Wow. You know, one thing I can say, Eric, um, the Lord says, taste of me and know that I'm good. Yes. If you've ever, if you've ever tasted of the glory of God or experienced, I mean, you're run for anything else. <laughs> Ruined. You, you can't do normal church um, you can't go back to just going through the motions. Yeah. You, you can't go back to just dead, dormant religion. Right. I mean, once you're ever impacted by the glory, the only thing that ever satisfies you is more of the glory. Yeah. And I, I, I'm convinced that um, in ministry, and I've been in ministry for, like I said, about 38 years, um, a lot of ministers want to be comfortable. Yeah. The platforms, the paychecks, the parking places. Yeah. I mean, in other words, when that is, because the glory will disrupt your life. Yes, it will. It'll take you out of a comfort zone. 
and it'll bring you into a hunger zone. Yeah, that's good. And and when you get in that hunger zone, uh, man, things begin to happen. God begins to deal with your attitude. He begins mm. to deal with compromise. He begins to deal with secret sin. He begins to deal with um, your self-idolatry. Yeah. He begins to deal with you worrying about what men think about you more than what God says about you. Yeah. The glory deals with all of that. Yes, and, it does. And, and again, God will not share His glory with anyone. When His glory, His presence is present, then all those things are dealt with. And just one more thing. I remember this. Sometimes the most intense things I experienced at the Browns of Revival was whenever there was a dead silence that would come over the place. Yeah. I mean, sometimes for like a half hour, you could have heard a pin dropped in the room. Right. But during those times, just the the vibration of the glory of God yes. in the room was, and again, this might even sound strange to some of you because you've never been in this place, and we're not trying to claim to be super spiritual, but I'm telling you, there is a manifestation of God's glory that we read about over and over and over and yes. over again. Imagine the book of Acts. Those people were fervently praying, and the building was violently shaken by the glory of God. There was a time outside of London in a small village, real quick, where John Wesley was preaching, they ran into the church and they said the building's on fire. The roof looked like natural fire was burning, but the glory of it, it wasn't actually on fire. It was like the burning bush. There was a fire, but the building was not being Come consumed. On. True story, but the glory of God was so present. And I, wow. I, I don't know about you, but um, brother, I don't want to live without the I don't want to preach without the glory. No. I don't want to pray without the glory. Yeah. I don't want to father spiritual children without the glory. So and I good. believe that we bear a responsibility to live in such a way, especially when it comes to prayer and intercession, because that's where the glory comes from. Yes, it does. That's the seedbed of real revival. It's the seedbed of the, the manifestation of God's glory. And um, I believe we're living in a generation where the Lord's asking, is there anybody willing Yes. To stand in that place, to allow Come his on. heart to pray through us. Yeah. So that his glory can be revealed in the Philippines, in America. Yes. In Italy, wherever we're going and, and beyond that, in the nations of the earth. And um this is um this is an urgent, urgent hour, I believe with all my heart, whether it be the suicides we're seeing, the overdoses, the family abuse, all the stuff. Yeah. The only thing that changes that is real revival in the Come church, on. which then spurs awakening in a nation and in yes. a generation. But it's going to take the glory of God, and um, we got to pay the price. You know what? It reminds me of a story of something I experienced in northern Ohio many, many years ago when we first became missionaries. There's a church that I went to, and the pastor said, are, are you familiar with Charles Finney? I said, oh, yeah. He said, you've probably heard of Oberlin, Oberlin College. College. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, it's, it's 20 minutes down the road. you want to go visit? I said, absolutely. So when we got there, Oberlin was had experienced incredible revival yeah. during the life of Charles Finney yeah. and he's been long gone for 1800s, yeah. uh, uh, many you know over a century and and now Oberlin is a real liberal mm -hmm. university and we went into a building that Charles Finney used to preach in and they had a, a newer pulpit on the, you know, they had these elevated pulpits yeah. back then. Yeah. And some of the, because so many people would come and they were trying to seat as many as they could. And then they had this little pulpit to the side. And that was Finney's pulpit. Wow. So I went over there and, you know, I kind of rubbed my hands on it a little. 
<laughs> not anything of weird, course. but no, you know what I mean. I and it was just so powerful. <laughs> but Finney never preached, and he died before. before they finished. And it was this huge auditorium. And it was just beautiful. And we go in there, and there was a group practicing, you know, some drama or something. And we walk outside, and my back is to a, a park which is in the center of the university. And we cross the street to go towards that park, but then I look back at the building we just came out of, and I felt this presence of the Lord quickly come upon me. Wow. And I felt like weeping. Hmm. And I, I started weeping. And I'm, and I'm thinking, why am I weeping? Like, I, I didn't understand what was going on. The pastor calls me and says, Brother Eric, come here. And there was this archway that you could walk underneath. And he said, you got to see this. So I walked over there. And in the archway were all these names of missionaries who were martyred wow. during the Boxer Rebellion. Oh, wow. They were sent out from Oberlin really? out there to go and be missionaries. Uh, and, and just many of them were martyred. And so they listed their names there. And I thought immediately, this is why I'm weeping. You know, I believe God doesn't dwell in temples made by man anymore. And monuments are just cement. But God will honor the memory of men and women of God who've, who've laid everything down and who have been marked by his glory. I believe that's I felt such a quickening of the Spirit of God and this brokenness, because, but I didn't even know where we were. And I thought, the Lord's wow. glory in this liberal university wow. is not intimidated by what's happening around. Yeah. He will t still remember. And even if they knock that thing down and knock all those buildings down, there's something about ground that was taken. Amen. For the kingdom. I know when I go to Brownsville, Brownsville's been long over since probably about 2000. 2000. And I have been to Brownsville Church and have had access to go into the sanctuary by myself and just pray. And I'm telling you, I still feel the presence right. of God. Yeah. Again, I'm not weird about it. Right. I don't believe that people got to go there right. to get healed or saved or anything. You could do that anyway. Anywhere You could have done that anywhere, even when the revival was going on. Right, right. But the point is, there is a stain of the glory of God. Anyhow, we got to finish today. We've run out of time. But uh, Keith, how can people follow you and get in contact with your ministry? Uh, sure, yeah. You can, um, you can find us at impactgf.org or keith-collins.org. So either one of those... Um, they have our itineraries, they have articles, they have our podcasts, our books that we have available. Yeah. They can get them from those sites. So either one of those places. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with Thank us you, today. Thank you, It's been an honor. It is an honor to have you here, and we look forward to seeing you again, hopefully yes. in the next few months. Yes, I look forward to being back as soon as possible. Amen. Thank Amen. you guys for listening. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, 
please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.